Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you for the uh, beautiful weather that uh, we've had uh, yesterday and uh, the the beautiful sunshine we have this morning. We're reminded, O God, um, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus just because of, you know, things are in life in full bloom in summer and then they pass away in the fall and the winter. And when spring comes around, O God, things jump back to life. Uh, the flowers are blooming. The early uh, spring flowers are, are starting to bloom and to push forth, O oh God, and reminds us, Father, of your great gift of love that you uh, so richly gave to us in, in your son, Jesus. Father, we uh, think of Pastor Doug this morning as uh, he's uh, dealing with this viral eye infection. And, uh, Father, we just pray for healing for him. Um, we pray, O oh God, for Nancy and Allison as their caretakers and uh, that you would give them strength to um, be able to overcome and, and not be uh, stricken by this uh, particular thing. We think of uh, the, the folks who cannot be with us this morning for uh, physical reasons of illness or, or um, injury or uh, what have you, Father. Um, you know the situations. Uh, you know where they're at. We just pray, O oh God, for healing to take place, if, if that would be your will. But, Father, for most of all, we just pray, O oh God, they would rely on you. You would uphold them on, in your righteous hand. Uh, we... We just pray, O oh God, for um, comfort for them. Uh, we pray for comfort for Connie and Will and the passing of their mom. And, Father, for the rest of the family, that you would uh, uh, embrace them, uh, that you would hold them close to you. Um, Father, as we look into your word this morning, I just pray, O oh God, that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight. And we just pray, Father, that everything that is said and done would be to your honor and glory, and only for that reason. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The preacher's young son uh, told him proudly, I know what the Bible means. And uh, his father smiled and replied, what do, you, what do you mean you know what the Bible means? The son replied, I, I do know. So his father said, uh, so what does the Bible mean? He said, oh, that's easy, Dad. It stands for basic information before leaving earth. So hopefully we can get some basic information this morning, gleaning God's word. We often talk about so many things in church, and we ha- we have so many words that we talk about, uh, and sometimes we overlook what the meaning of those words are. Uh, this past week, um, Karen and I went through some rough water, and it had to deal with forgiveness. Uh, and I think it's something that all of us at some point or another, have to deal with. uh, Because we ourselves uh, are not perfect, and we deal with other people who are not perfect as well. 
there are times when we're in the workplace or outside of the extended family of, of our church. Uh, folks who aren't um, Christian or believer people. And it's not easy dealing with them. Uh, there are times even in the body uh, that we have here uh, that we have hurts and um, pains and, and groans uh, where forgiveness is needed. So forgiveness is a word we often hear, but do we really understand what forgiveness is? The doctrine of salvation is based solely uh, on the belief in who Jesus Christ is, the belief in Jesus, and for the forgiveness of our sin. Forgiveness is defined as an, an act of excusing or pardoning another person despite errors, shortcomings, or acts they've committed. No other religious book except the Bible teaches that God forgives sin totally, completely, gone, wiped away. Jeremiah 31, 34 says, No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I, I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. And Paul, quoting Isaiah 59 in Romans 11, 26 and 27, says, and As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away godliness from Jacob and for this for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins so the forgiveness of sins comes from the finished work of Jesus on the cross he died for our sins and was raised the third day according to the scriptures most of us get that point we understand that. That's the, the whole basis of our belief system. That Jesus died and was raised the third day. And he died for our sin. Hebrews 9.22 states, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no forgiveness. There's always a price to pay for, the, for, for forgiveness. There's always, God had set it up that way. When sin entered the world, there had to be something to pay for. There had to be an offering to pay for sin. Jesus was that offering. But for, for it to work, one has to come to God's sacrifice. Jesus was that sacrifice. But we have to come in a spirit of repentance and faith. John 3.16, familiar verse to all of us, states, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Jesus Christ resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection was a necessary condition for the forgiveness of sin, of man's sin. He was 
the, the perfect Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. So with that said, we ourselves have been forgiven if we come to Jesus in that manner. God requires, or maybe it's best said, he demands that we forgive others because of grace. The grace by which we have been forgiven. It is through Jesus that we have been saved. So through him, we should be willing to forgive other folks. But with that grace, it brings responsibility along with obligation. Luke chapter 6 verse 37 states, Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And again in Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 and 22, and Peter came to him saying, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus replied and said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but seventy times seven. An infinite number, a number that has no beginning or end. So, how often do we deny forgiveness? How often do we not forgive that, but we harbor anger and frustration and malice? Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Colossians in chapter 3. We're going to camp out there for a while. Book of Colossians in chapter 3. Paul is uh, writing to the Colossian church and explaining to them what is the real sense of being saved. There was a lot of heresy going on at the church of Colossus, and he was trying to nip that in the bud, if you will. And what happened was it came out to be Gnosticism is what the, the heresy uh, turned out to be. But Paul says... In, in chapter 3, verses 12 through 17, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy, beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of, of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in the beginning, in verse 12, the Greek imperative uh, is a sense of urgency to be enacted at once because of what Paul had wrote to them 
before. Therefore, when we see that word, something came before that. Uh, Paul was writing uh, that Christ died for them. That he, he was their salvation. He was the, their forgiveness. He was the one for which they have eternal life. So he says, in light of that, therefore, as the elect, those chosen, uh, holy, uh, they were set up, supposed to be set apart. Um, beloved, loved by God. Uh, because of what he did for them. Next is the spiritual wardrobe of the new man in verse 12. Put this on. Put on, Paul says. Put on tender mercies, which is the heart of compassion, mercy in action, and heartfelt sympathy. Put on kindness, thoughtfulness of others, unselfish, unselfish gentleness and gracious this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit uh, that we're talking about and refers to an inner attitude humility put on humility the outward expression of the inner attitude of kindness humility is the outward expression of being kind the inner uh, peace that we have through the Holy Spirit humbleness is modesty it places self last and looks to others first. Meekness, not weakness, but meekness. Lowliness with great consideration for others. It is the opposite of arrogance and putting self first. Long suffering, patient restraint, which allows one to bear. Injury or insult without resorting to retaliation. It accepts wrong without complaint. Isn't that the description of what Jesus went through for us? To accept insult, to accept injury without resorting to retaliation. Couldn't he have called legions of angels to get him down off the cross? Couldn't he have called legions of angels to free him from that which he was being persecuted for and for no reason? As we look at verse 13, bearing with one another uh, is putting up with things we dislike and getting along with those who disagree without confrontation. That's difficult. Uh, Our initial reaction is to want to uh, discredit what they what they uh, what they've been talking about. Someone who doesn't agree with us always raises our hackles, right? And it gives us a sense of want to you know kind of curl up and lash out. And then the biggie, and then forgiving one another. This is the hard one. It's hard to forgive someone um, even when we know that we're supposed to. The Greek word for forgiving is charizomia. It's built on the same root word as grace. It means to bestow favor unconditionally. 
This means that the Christian will always treat the offending party graciously. But that's not always what happens. And, 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 and there it is. Forgive. Forgive. Uh, oh yeah, uh, uh, just a minute. Christians not only forgive, a Christian not only forgives, but also forgets. If there's true forgiveness, they will remember it no more. If you really let it go, they won't remember it. I, when I looked at this, I'm like, what? Are you serious, Paul? How can this be? How can we forgive and forget? That's, the, that's the, the motto. And yet we live in a world where, you know, there's anti-Semitism all over the place. There's people who want to uh, take away the, the, the way we live, who want to destroy America what, the way it was founded on, the principles of Judeo-Christian values. And we're supposed to forgive and walk away from that? Paul states that since Christ forgave us, in verse uh, 13, this you must do. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. This is the tough one. Paul, you, you just don't understand about that person who hurt me. Or the person who abused me. Or about the person who gossiped about me. Told falsehoods about me. Forgive and forget. To put on the spiritual wardrobe, how many times did Jesus say forgive? And yet Jesus on the cross, while he was on the cross in the midst of his suffering and pain and agony, prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So what has anyone done to us that can be more heinous than what Jesus went through? Anyone who ever lived... Uh, he lived a perfect life. He was sinless. He, he, he was one who didn't have the, the sin tendencies. Uh, he was the perfect lamb of God, and yet he bore on himself what we deserve to have. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Everything we do in life that has eternal value hinges on two things. Loving God and loving each other. It's far easier to love God than to love other people. Because we, we, we come to meet God on a Sunday morning. We come to worship God uh, together corporately, we look at God through the uh, through His Word that He has given to us, but we don't have personal interaction with Him. But when we go to deal with folks who um, 
who have the tendency, the same as we do, have that sin tendency in them, it's a lot harder to love them, especially when they contradict that which we know is truth, especially when they hurt us, especially when they talk about us, especially when they're confrontational. But God yet sees them the same as he sees us. One of the most loving things we can do to demonstrate to, uh, love to others is forgiveness. It's one of the hardest things that we are called to do as Christians, as believer people, those who are following Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted and forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And how yet do we let go of the hurt, the pain and the anger? Sometimes we just want to be mad for a little bit. We want to harbor that, hold that, that anger inside. I'll get back at them. We want to shake our fists at God and say, why, why did you let this happen to me? And yet in verse 14 it says, Above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. Above all things, on top of all that, on top of letting go, on top of putting on the wardrobe. Put on love. Put on the outer garment, if you will, the cloak. Love is the basis, the outer garment, if you will, of all the graces. Of course, Galatians 5.22, we read about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace and patience, kindness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. 1 Corinthians 13 in the love chapter in verse 4 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, and it isn't puffed up. In verse 8 it says, love never fails. In verse 15 it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be Thankful. The heart of peace which Christ demonstrated for us is the peace of God. It is the tranquility that we have not ruffled by adversity nor disturbed by fear. And it, in Paul's writing to the Philippian church, the peace that passes all understanding in chapter 4 verse 7. 
God wants us to be able to move into all that he has for us, but if, if we don't forget, we block that work. Forgiveness opens our hearts and allows the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. So how in the world do we get past all the hurt and anger and hostility? How do we do how do we get by that which someone has done to us that hurt us so deeply? How do we forgive that person? How are we allowed to to to, to receive peace and all of that? In verse 16, it gives us the answer, let the words of Jesus Christ dwell in you in wisdom, in teaching, in hymns, in psalms, in spiritual song, and singing with grace in our hearts. Alone, we can't. Alone, we can't. But in Jesus, we can. Severing the ties of bitterness, harboring wrath, and, and, and everything eats us up inside, physically, emotionally, mentally, the whole nine yards. There have been studies done on harboring that type of thing in our lives that it actually causes physical ailments. Causes us to become sick. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. Jesus is talking to his disciples. I am the vine and you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. Alone, we can't do it. On our own, we can't do it. In our humanness, we can't do it. And yet we can study all we want in this holy manual of life that we have been given Learn everything we're supposed to do. do. But at some point, we still have to jump in the water. At some point, we have to act. The proof is in our sincerity. Our commitment is in doing. Not just knowing. Some hurts go deep, I understand that. Some even go beyond this life into the grave. We harbor resentment and, and, and unforgiveness we don't allow to those who have gone before us. And it's still ruling us, it's still eating us up. Letting go almost gives us the idea that we lose. In a society where everything's about winning, being on top. The idea is that we lose, but in actuality, when we forgive, we win. We have peace that we, that we would never have without forgiveness. So then in verse 17... Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do in word or deed in all relations in life, act as Jesus' representative. 
something that just came to my attention not too long ago, and I talk about this a lot. I don't think we totally grasp kingdom life because we don't live it. But Jesus is king and he reigns. He's reigning now. We are his ambassadors. Uh, like we have ambassadors to, to different foreign countries. We are ambassadors in a foreign land. Do we act and represent our king as though we are his ambassadors? At the end of the day, when you look back on your day, do you look back and see that you represented who Jesus was? Who Jesus is? By acting as his representatives, we obey his word, trusting in his power and devoted to his service. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring every thought, bringing every thought into t- to captivity to the obedience of Christ. We don't war like other folks war. We don't have to worry like other folks worry. We don't have to deal with things other folks deal with because we have someone and we have the power of that someone as king to yield. May this be our prayer. Lord, show me, convict me of where I am missing the mark. Tear down my arrogance, pride, and fear. Help me see the truth about myself and help me to replace lies with truth and make changes that will last. Let us pray. O most high God, the hardest thing we have to overcome is being able to forgive, forgive. To be able, God, to let go of the past, the hurts, the anger, the fear, but, Father, we have the power. You promised that you would give us one who would give us the, the power to, to do this. You would never forsake us. You would never leave us. And through the Holy Spirit, O oh God, we are able to yield that power. Convict us then, O oh God, of that which we must change in ourselves. That we may be above all else ambassadors of the king for it is in his name that we pray amen